Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's Haunted Playground, right here on the Live Paranormal Radio Network. We're at LiveParanormal.com, iHeartRadio.com, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Player FM, Blog Talk Radio. The list goes on and on. It's great to be here. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith pastor, minister. I'm a 27-year talk radio host. I'm at SheenaMetalSpiritual.com. Every week on the show, we go outside the three dimensions and talk about all things spiritual and paranormal. I gather the most beautiful and loveliest minds and hearts and souls in the paranormal community. And we talk about everything from is there an afterlife to is there a griffin in your swimming pool? It's all right here on Haunted Playground. My guest today is a wonderfully talented uh, artist, psychic medium, um, teacher, all-around fantastic spiritual practitioner, and it's wonderful to have him here on the show always. Please welcome to Haunted Playground. Oh, he's not here yet. My wonderful friend Paul Jacek is here. I just have to text him and say that I am waiting on him. He's waiting on me, and I'm waiting on him. It's great to be here with him. You're going to love him. He's returning to the show. I hope you've heard him here before. And he's great. Paul Jacek is here. many things, including I want to talk about this pesky Pluto return, which I think is kicking many of us in the butt, this Pluto return. Okay. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Pluto return while I wait for Paul to come in. Um, So Pluto is sort of how we wrestle with the darker things, the more negative things within our sign and how we as individuals are equipped through our astrological sign to deal with those things in the world, right? Because the world is not all roses and sunshine. Sometimes we encounter tough things that we wrestle with our own inner darkness sometimes. And that's really what the Pluto return is. I mean, but Pluto is, is really that in our signs. So when things are in return, I always say they sort of are constantly kicking you in the butt. Um, for instance, Saturn, right, is life lessons. So when Saturn is in return, all of our life lessons that we haven't not learned sort of come up against us and keep coming back at us and back at us and back at us. Um, until we get it right, right? Because that's how life is, right? Things come back and back and back until we get them right. So with Pluto being in return, it's, I like to say if you're a glass half full person, it's really exemplifying all of the um, positive things in our life. 
if you're a glass half empty person, it's exemplifying a lot of the darker things that we're wrestling with. And Paul is here. Hello, my friend. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm good. It's good to hear your voice. I'm so glad you're here. Well, and thank you so much for asking me. It's been a long time. It has. It's been a while. You're a busy man, and I'm a busy human, and um, and we're doing this on my speakerphone today because my phone is having trouble charging, so it's now charging up from one percent. And somebody in the in the God in, in the Mount Olympus of Apple Corporation decided it was a good idea to make your headphone jack and your charging jack the same hole. I'm not quite sure where sure. that came from. That idea. But there it is. So, so anyway, it's good to hear your voice. And I'm talking about this Pluto return. I mean, have you been feeling this the last few weeks? Oh, sure. <laughs> yes, in fact, it was pretty intense, you know, with the sun currently in Pisces and the moon coming, you know, into Leo. And we're coming up on a, uh, this full moon. Uh, this double mm-hmm. cancer yeah. has been under the bed or asleep, really. Um, it's been yeah. a real challenge. This Aries, Capricorn moon, Virgo rising, Taurus, Venus, that craves stability in life has been like, oh, can you just take it somewhere else? Because I'm trying to have some stability here. For people who don't have that, particularly our lovely little air signs, this has been a very difficult time. Because um, if you're wrestling with the darkness within, this is going to make you sort of be all you can be, right? Well, and this energy the past couple of uh, days has been about a pause. Take, take a breath, stand where you are, look around. It's the dreaminess that I like about Pisces. It's kind of very the water sign, but with the moon and Leo, it's like get dreamy and then get on it. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I understand. Uh, yeah, how has it affected you personally? Well, I've uh, and maybe where Neptune is. You were talking about Neptune or and Saturn. Saturn returns are people know about. That's why we say many happy returns around birthdays. Well, the Saturn conjunction in my chart is like, oh, hi. You know those things that you were putting off to the side while you were, oh, moving from Hollywood to the beach and all of that? Here they are, and now we're going to deal with, deal with them. And some of those were health issues, and it hit really hard last week. It is like, okay, your time in the preparation room is over. Here we are. Time to go. <laughs> oh. Okay, so it's manifesting as, as health things for you. Well, health and just uh, if you are the big theory is if you are who you say you are, you know, we work in this healing instructional uh, business. Well, let's be using some of those tools. Let's get on it. I, uh, do you, have you learned anything about the dragon's head or the dragon's tail? I had a guest on about a month ago talking about that. Do you know anything about that? No, tell me. Okay. So, um, Oh, God, and now I won't be able to tell it right. But it's it's about, you know, like it's sort of like, it's, it's like the Lionsgate portal that happens in August. 
Except yeah. it's not actually a portal. It's an alignment of your particular thing. So when, um, uh, oh, my goodness, why do I not remember what it is? Basically, I'll tell you what, what, what was said to me by the astrologer, but I will get it all wrong. It's one, one house in your chart is the dragon's head, and one house in your chart is the dragon's tail. Okay. And um, for me, my dragon's head is Taurus and my dragon's tail is Scorpio. So the last time that for me the dragons was together in 2004, which is a very difficult time for me. I was in a very toxic relationship. Um, my toxic partner had walked out on me with no notice and then had come back. And because when you don't know how to deal with a narcissist, you take them back, right? And in the mm-hmm. middle of it all, I adopted a cat. And my cat was pretty much saved my life, right, Molly? Well, lo and behold, the, the time between when the dragon comes in is always 18 years. Mm-hmm. And 18 years later, almost to the week when it came back in, so 18 years ago, during, when it came back in at the beginning, I, purchased, I got Molly. Molly died, mm-hmm. and now I have come. So now I'm going through a very difficult time again uh, that I'm surviving much better 18 years later. Thank you, age and wisdom. But um, isn't that interesting that every time these two things come together, it can be a time of great change and a time of great conflict. And for me, it always has to do with um, getting a, a familiar, right? Having a, um, a spiritual cat soulmate. Isn't that a strange thing? Oh, I love that. So, so um, I will look up more of it. I had never heard about it before. The, the dragon's, not the dragon's portal. I'll, I will look it up. But, but anybody well, and who I wants will to too. know about it, Google, Google a dragon and astrology, and um, you will learn about what happens every 18 years to you. Um, I guess it must happen every 18 years, right? So you have one at, one, one at, eight, one at zero, one at 18, one at 36, and I had mine at 54. And anybody who's about to turn 72 will be having another one. Well, it's much like a Saturn maybe, return. It is like a Saturn return, but it's about a giant shift in change. Because, mm. I mean, every return is a – are Saturn returns every 18 years? Uh, no, Saturn returns usually are – it can happen as early as 26 or 27 and as late as 32 because that's where okay. Saturn returns to its place of your birth in your chart. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. And so right. then okay. you get to do it again in your 60s. Okay. I remembered what it is. The head of the dragon is your north node, and the tail is your south node. And it's when your north node and south node are lined up because Taurus and Scorpio are completely opposite in the zodiac chart. So it's when the two of those are lined up, that's when it happens. I never thought about that. Whatever your north node is, then your south node must be, you know, six zodiac signs on the other end from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be called the, the dragon return. I think it's called the dragon return. See how it all starts coming back to my COVID-ridden brain 
<laughs> yes, it is your it is your dragon return, and it's when your north node lines up with your south node. And my north node is Taurus, and my south node is Scorpio, which is really interesting, I think, because I think Taurus is probably the most grounded sign, and I think Scorpio is probably the most spiritual out there sign. Um, so... It's interesting that those are my two things. But, yeah, a major shift has come, and with it, always a feline companion. Because I can't tell you, when these, when these cats that I have this kind of connection to come around, I really feel like um, somebody gave me back an organ that I lost. I mean, it's like a, a part of my inside is manifested on the outside, and it's such a connection. I, I don't know. I know you have – are you mostly a dog person? Have you had cats? <laughs> Oh, I've had cats, yes. I am um, a pet person, although currently I am pet-less, although I, very, I almost had a dog last week. Um, the, the unthinkable, I saw it on Facebook that somebody surrendered this sweet, beautiful dog of eight years. They'd gotten yeah. it as a puppy, and at eight years they were surrendering it because they were moving, and they didn't want to take the dog. And uh, they'd surrendered it to a kill shelter. And so somebody found it and threw it up on Facebook. And I looked at those eyes and went, I don't know that I'm ready, but I'm not going to let this happen. And I thought, you know, I think it's time for maybe an older dog. That would be nice. I don't know that I had my other dog from a puppy on up. And um, so I, I did some, I called. And by the time I had done it, thank goodness for Facebook, somebody had adopted the dog. So I know you get a nice little cat, nice little cat. I don't know. I just think there's well, something about Psychics and cats. Right? I have, have a ghost experience. cat in my apartment. Oh, nice. Well, that's almost as good. Well, but they don't sleep with you, and it's hard to, to squeeze them. But every so often, out of the corner of my eye, I see this very arrogant tail go around the corner. Yeah, isn't that cute? When I, when I was my ex-boyfriend and I, before we started living together, he had one at his apartment, and you would see it. Um, like scrunch in a corner, you'd see the whole thing. And then he moved in with me, and it was at my place all the while he was there. And then when he moved out, I never saw it again. It went with him. And he never well, had no, a black I, cat, I, so it wasn't anything like he had. This one's gray. And I was sitting at my kitchen table, and I looked up. And nonchalant, as cats do, because they know everything, and they own everything, I saw it from the shoulder down just walk into the living room, and I went, did I just see that? So I got up and yeah. I looked all over this apartment. There is no cat. And I thought, did I leave the front door open? Nope. And then the second time I was in the living room looking towards the little breakfast nook and a little gray tail just went around the corner. And I thought, okay, I'm either losing my mind or, um, but you know, I found since I've moved to the beach, the entities or, or my ability to see has sharpened. Oh, yeah. And right I don't know water. if it's because I'm close to the water. You bet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And I just think there's a purity here, right? I mean, when you're, when you're staying in the middle of, like, LA Metro, you are surrounded by it all. But when you're here, you've got stuff on one side, but on the other side, man, there is nothing until you hit Hawaii. And, or Catalina. Um, it's like, right. Well, Catalina first. I consider Catalina part of us. 
part of our souls. But then it's like mm-hmm. nothing if we're like thousands of miles of just ocean. And I think that is a very spiritual thing. I also think it slows down here, and that gives you more time. There's less minutia, so your spirituality can become more intense. And I also think mm-hmm. since the pandemic, there there's less rush, rush, rush around. And because of that, we have more time and our and our gifts grow. And I think my mama used to always say your gifts grow every year you're on the earth. They you just get more and more intense the longer you're here. And I think that has a lot to do with it too. Um I would agree with your mother. You know, I mean I think the longer we're here, the stronger the gifts get. Unless we close them off or do something stupid like cover them up with too much drug use or something. But for the most part I believe I think I've become much more spiritual in the last six months because I quit sugar. I think we forget what a powerful drug sugar is and how when used on a daily basis, it can really block your gifts. I have never been so aware of the effect of food as I have been the past six months. Now, why is that, do you think, particularly this six months? Well, I, because I, in July, uh, will turn 64, so okay. my body has changed. Now, good, bad, or indifferent, that's where we are. Now, for the most part, because I, I work in the fourth dimension a lot, you know, about spirit, it's not that I haven't remembered that I have a body, but I've forgotten that there will be some changes. I think I'm 24. And so I bebop around, my, you know, eating whatever the heck I want to, and your body does change and your body does shift. And so around sugar, I too have become abstinent as, as much as possible from sugar, and it was a huge change. The detox has been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's a bitch, isn't it? And, uh, but it's important, especially for light workers, in- I think, if you're not, if you're going to be a pure vessel, you have to remember, unfortunately, that's a dangerous drug that has to go to. Well, and then the other side of that is because I was, I was becoming more sensitive or my um, bandwidth expanded, dropping sugar was like walking into a stadium naked. All of a sudden, was, I, my sensitivity was through the ceiling. I'm like, you know what, I suddenly understand why uh, – People do what they do. You know, um, do you know who Eileen Garrett was? Yes. I was reading an uh, article about people who are trans mediums and who do mediumistic work. And mm-hmm. for many, because that's how I've, I've experienced it a couple of times. Not, not, it's not something I'm comfortable with, but... Most of, of that, that era of people who were trans mediums or were willing to discuss it had a lot of issues with their body. You know, Arthur Ford, who was another trans medium, and his um, guide, or they, back then they called them controls, was named Fletcher. But when Fletcher would step in, they would, he would tell all these stories about how Arthur Ford was, you know, a drunk, basically, and he was... Fletcher was having a hard time because he wanted to do some more work, but Arthur was drunk. I just think it's hysterical. But uh, people who tend to be trans mediums, I think that's changed now that this is a little more regular, but would either have weight problems or drug problems or drinking problems. Because here's the deal. For civilians, whatever that means, uh, who are unaware, 
But then when you start opening up, it's it's a lot of work to remain grounded. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but I quit sugar. I know you know this part. I quit sugar in 2011 when I got diagnosed with a diabetic. And, um, no, I, I remember. I quit sugar and kept the same day. So the first two weeks, I don't even remember. I think I just rolled around and clawed at the walls, and I don't know what I did. But anyway, um, I was in a grocery store. I think I'd been off sugar for maybe 48 hours. And I had done diets before and lost weight and gained weight, but I'd never quit sugar completely. And I was, I was, I was in a grocery store, and this woman was buying a watermelon, and she had mostly eaten it, and she was trying to return it. And uh, she, I, this watermelon is <laughs> terrible, but it was almost all gone. You know, oh, I ate the whole thing, and then I hated it. Um, and she was just being so bitchy and mean to this clerk who looked like he was going to cry. And I thought, my first instinct was, I'm going to run up there and I'm going to throttle her. And then I thought, no, 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 calm down. Just go get an ice cream. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I can't do that. And I realized how I used sugar to placate all that comes in, right, all the stuff when you're an empath that floods in so that I didn't mm-hmm. have to feel everybody's pain and feel like mm-hmm. I had to be the the hammer of justice for everybody's ill deeds. And it took me a while to get used to living in a sugarless world because when I'm doing sugar, it's just like Sheena and sugar, a love story. And we're just skipping through the meadows by ourselves. We don't need anything but each other, just me and a butterfinger. But when, when I go off sugar, shit gets real. Yeah. um, Well, and there's, there's nowhere else to go. So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of psychic people um, have various addictions, which is why as a young person, 14 years old, um, I made the decision to never touch alcohol or drugs because I knew that was going to be a problem for me. Or coffee or really soda. I've had some soda, but I very little for a very short time in my life I drank Coke and Pepsi, but like two years of my life. Um, but um, – and then I got hooked on tea and sugar. So, you know what I mean? It's, there's always going to be something waiting for you. But it's very important when you're feeling everybody's stuff to be a pure channel. As a matter of fact, one night I was doing a show with someone, and we were doing uh, psychic mediumship work, and she was drinking probably four or five glasses of wine during the night. Oh, and I remember my ooh. best friend afterwards and saying, I can't, I can't believe she's drinking. This is such a no-no to drink while you do psychic work. And um, I never really thought about that before. I don't know that I would judge somebody for doing it, but I would say if you want to get the most pure experience out of your channeling session, probably being altered is not probably the best way to do it. I mean, it's not no, against anybody who does. And some people have to take medication for various uh, physical and emotional illnesses, and so they have to always be on something, and I understand that. But I think the least you can be on, the better if you're going to do that kind of work. But but speaking of transmediums, what do you think of that? I mean, that is something that I, 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 there are very few things I flat out refuse to do in the spiritual world, but allowing a spirit to come inside me and take over my body, Paul, I just can't do it. Well, here, so my story is, and, and I used to believe this, which is that all, all mediums are psychic but not all psychics are mediums. Yes. So I have been working as an empathic, intuitive tarot reader for years, decades. 
so I had uh, a regular client, somebody who comes to see me once a month, come bopping in. And as she walked in the door and we were doing pleasantries, oh, hi, how are you? I'm good. It felt like a cold, wet packing blanket dropped over the left side of my body. And at first, and she's saying, oh, you know, I'm getting a new car. And I thought, oh, my God, am I having a stroke? <laughs> I, 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 I remember even kind of like leaning to the left. And the more she talked, suddenly I was getting imagery and I heard myself and it was not my impulse to say, I didn't do it. I didn't mean it. I didn't do it. And she looked at me and now I'm kind of sitting like a half C chair and she goes, are you okay? And I had images very quickly. One was hitting my right head on the nightstand. And then a very nice older lady, like you would see in an old B movie from Warner Brothers, in a blue and white dress with a little lace collar, saying, Michael, come this way, Michael. And she used the name Michael. And then it, uh, and the third image was just a bright light. So I started to tell her all that. Her eyes filled with tears, and she said, you're freaking, stop it, you're freaking me out. And I went, I don't even know what's happening, and I think I may need hospitalization. Long story short, she wasn't even going to bring it up, but her cousin Michael was found dead in a motel in Pennsylvania. Mm. And the story was a man of 44 years old and a bodybuilder. He was kind of a, a stacked, built thing. She showed me a picture of him. Um, his story included a lot of uh, drug and alcohol issues. He'd been to rehab a couple of times, and then he got caught and sent to prison uh, for a time, and that's where he began bodybuilding around drugs and alcohol. Well, now he's out. He was living in a sober living experience and working construction. But he's 44, and all of the other guys on this construction crew are in their 20s, and he was really feeling this this ageism, and he was very worried about it, and he pulled something in his back, and he managed to get a hold of a muscle relaxer that allowed him to sleep at night. And this is sort of on the down low. He, he probably was saying, you know, since it didn't really affect him mentally, but his back was in spasm, and he had to work. So he's working. He goes to work. A surprise drug test. So he tests. The test comes back dirty. He's fired on the spot. They notify the sober living that he's living in and thrown out. So this poor man has enough money to go to a motel, and he's like, he's so frightened and at the end of it and so confused and thought, well, you know, I'll lay down. <clears throat> he took uh, another muscle relaxant, but he was also using a lot of supplements because he was weightlifting. The two of them interacted okay. and stopped his heart, and he died. Oh. So that was him falling oh. over and hitting the nightstand. She said that's how they found his body with his head on the nightstand. Oh. And because it was done by his own hand, the paperwork reflects that it was suicide. And that was not his intent at all, and his poor mother. So he, what I find is, if it must be like a picket fence, the other side runs along, and if they find a knot hole that's been kicked out, they begin to shout through it. Yeah, especially and I guess when I, I see find, um, they, especially when it's the accidental overdose versus suicide, right? They most definitely want their loved ones to know that it was not suicide. They don't much care because 
when you're home, once you have your little evaluation and get released in the general population, right, it does nothing matters to them from the earth. It's about the next time. But I know they, mm-hmm. they are concerned that, that living people worry about the stigma of suicide, and they always want their folks to know that's not what's happening. Exactly. Well, about three weeks later, she stopped by and she said, can I just talk for a second? I said, what's up? She said, well, I went to my cousin's funeral. I flew back to Pennsylvania. I said, oh, well, she said, and I talked to my aunt, and, and I told her what you told me. And I said, oh, and she goes, and I lied. I said, what do you mean you lied? She said, I told them it was a dream I had. And she said, you cannot imagine the relief my aunt has going, I knew he didn't do it. I knew he didn't. So I thought, okay, oh. you know what? So I made, a, I made a sort of agreement with the other side, like the other side goes, oh, wait, Paul has, you know, wants to negotiate, really. But I said, here's the deal. If, if that's helpful, it's not comfortable. I didn't like it. It's uncomfortable for me. So those people that can do it, but I've asked the other side, you know, I'll, I'm glad it brought relief and I'm glad it brought uh, rest and peace for everybody involved. But if we could um, kind of have a buffering system, if we could, if we could find a way to do that, because I'm not really comfortable with doing that. I don't, so here's how it happened with me. So when I finally came out of the psychic closet, which you know was an arduous task, um, <laughs> I would spend all my time thinking, thank God I'm not a medium. Thank God I'm not a medium. Because my mama, we lived in that haunted house, Paul. She she oftentimes when she I don't know didn't was worried about her knees or didn't want to deal with my dad or was up too late who knows she would sleep in her easy chair that was always the thing with my mom she'd stay up reading till three o'clock in the morning and fall asleep in her easy chair and um, she said she would wake up in the middle of the night and they'd all be standing around her in a circle looking at her and it would be oh, like no. dead people from different time zones times in you know in in the world. Um, extraterrestrials, uh, what we now probably consider elementals or earth spirits or interdimensionals, angelic, mm-hmm. and they'd all be sitting there together in a circle just staring down at her while she slept. And I thought, okay, I'm going to come out as a psychic, but I'm never going to be a medium because that scares the shit out of me. And then I met this woman on Facebook uh, through a psychic group that I was involved with, and she was considering booking a reading with me to speak to her um, sphinx cat that had passed. And um, I told her, look, I'm, I get impressions, but I'm not really a medium. And, um, you know, I, I'd love to do a psychic session with you. And the next day I'm driving down the street in my car. And I hear, so what makes you think you're not a medium? And I look over, and, and there's that cat, Paul. Sitting in my wow. car, in the sure. seat, leaning up against the door with his little legs crossed like cats do, with a big old sphinx cat grin on his face, just kind of laughing his ass off and wagging his tail. And then he says, and by the way, what's all this talk about? You talk about all the time about getting a sphinx cat, but you never get one. Where's your sphinx cat? And I thought, oh, holy shit, either I'm going crazy or there's a ghost of a sphinx cat whose name was Casper, incidentally, in my car. And I, so I texted her, and I said, okay, uh, he's here, and he wants to talk, so I guess we're good. And she became a regular longtime client, still is a client, and we talk about a lot more now than just him. And um, he still visits me sometimes, 
and kind of gives me a hard time because then I got another cat this year, but it was not a Sphinx cat, so I had to hear about that. And um, then, then once I sort of opened up that switch, like they all came. But I found that I'm not having the same problem that my mom has with it being very out of control. Look, I spend the night in a place where I haven't been before, even if it's my best friend's place or my best friend's mom lives in Huntington, I spent the night at her house. Oftentimes something will yell my name in the middle of the night or go, hi. But it's not like, it's not like uh, uh, Ghost Whisperer, right, where I'm not in a hospital and there's 57 dead people chasing me down the corridors. I wonder if it's because working in entertainment my whole life, as you have worked in entertainment your whole life, I've learned to put so many boundaries up with the living that maybe I just naturally mm-hmm. know how to do that with the dead. Do you have that too? Because I, because you know, you in entertainment, you have got to put boundaries up or you're going to go crazy. And I well, think exactly. maybe that's why I'm founded. You know? But what has been integral for me recently is if I don't continue to ground and work with my energy, if I get sloppy, like popping into a hospital, oh, my gosh. I'm like, okay, this is overwhelming. I forgot to, you know, prepare myself for this. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of people are talking about that with, with coming out of the pandemic. You know, they're a little reluctant to go in public. They're not sure. Well, I get that, but from a paranormal situation, I have to be ready to I, – I do something uh, called segment intending now. So I chop up my experience in little bits. When I leave my front gate, I go, okay, I'm leaving my sanctuary, and now I'm out in the world, and I, and I will only see, you know, beauty, love, harmony, and so forth. And when something happens, I do a little hand wave, and I thought, you're going to be such an eccentric little old man. And I said, oh, wait, you're not preparing. You're here. I wave my hand, and I go, not part of my experience. Yeah. From people screaming or, and it's cut down my interaction. This sounds unpleasant and ungracious, but it's cut down my experience with the homeless in half. Yes, yes. Yes, because they psychically tap into you, right? And you then bet. they'll follow you. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, and mostly the ones that are not mentally well. Or or I think a lot of, what do you think about this? I think a lot of homeless people carry spirit attachments. I would agree. Um, I watched a man having a full conversation with about four, I could sort of detect, non-physicals. And they were not, it wasn't a party. There seemed to be a lot of argument yeah. going on. And I thought, oh, no, none of that. And the poor thing was literally bedeviled. They were. So the, somebody asked me, they go, do you believe in possession? And I said, I do in the, in the part that sometimes it's unconscious. If you've left every door and window open and are unaware that you've done it, then it feels like you. So I've, I've, spent, I've done a lot of this even in psychotherapeutic work. What's mine and what's yours? But when that, when that boundary gets blurred and then it's all together, um, I work with a woman who's a marvelous Reiki healer. And, and they are attracted. She could get out of a car, you know, her car in a parking lot, 
making her way to Ralph's. And homeless people come out of the bushes to come talk to her because she is such a channel and such a bright light. And she wants to be available for everybody. I'm like, you are nicer than I am. I just cannot do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's hard when they have the attachments because the attachments are sometimes very mean. And I think it's um, when folks are struggling, right, emotionally, physically, spiritually, they kind of become a target for these awful little things to attach themselves. They're like a, they're like a, staph infection made of entities. Ew. Right? I mean, they, you know what I mean? They're, they're like, you catch them like a disease, you know, like a staph infection, like it, it lives in your body and never bothers you until your immune system is weak and then it comes out. That's kind of what they're yeah. like, I think. If you were healthy, they wouldn't be able to stick to you. I agree. Um. But I do think a lot of folks carry them, um, especially homeless folks, or anybody. I mean, even if you're not homeless, it's funny because there's a homeless energy, right? Uh, the other day I saw somebody walking down the street uh, here in Huntington Beach, and it absolute homeless energy, right? I don't know if he was actually homeless, but he had the homeless energy. He had that – the um, – it's like a disenfranchised, like they're not connected to anything. They're not spiritually mm-hmm. connected to themselves or to anything else. They may very well have a place to sleep, but there's an energy. And oftentimes it's also an energy that can be a mental illness or it can be a drug addiction. But I felt so bad for him. He was walking down the street just eating a sandwich, and I thought, oh, you, you poor thing. And there was this kind of thing attached to him, and it was sort of laughing. And I, I just, I feel bad for them because, or for anybody, right, who for whatever reason cannot kick a spirit attachment out. I mean, I think we spend so much time in, in the paranormal community, Paul, focusing on demons, demons, possessions, when the truth is really encountering a demon is extremely rare. Possessions are even rarer. But yet spirit attachments are very common and we're not worrying as much about how to get rid of them. You know, rather than one giant Emily Rose type exorcism, and, you know, God bless that sweet girl that that, was, that that story was based on, how about, you know, figuring out a way to kick off the thousands of little spirit attachments that are sticking themselves to old people, sick people, troubled, troubled children, sick children, homeless people, you know what I mean? I, those are the ones I'd like to pick off and become like an exterminator, Paul. We should open a spirit attachment exterminator business. Oh, I'm in. We'll have a saging like, station. Oh, As you come in, we just you have to walk through a, a fog of sage. Exactly. Exactly. And then we'll suck them all into a machine like Ghostbusters. Yeah, because I, I think, think a, a lot of people idea. walk around with them and don't even notice they do. And I think a lot of them just come, they come from trauma. They appear when you're having trauma. Do you think you've ever had one yourself? Um, well, trauma, and I would say sometimes un, unresolved grief seems to be a nice breeding Absolutely. ground for that as well. Yes. I was having some energetic work done, and by uh, somebody was my first visit with them, and they stopped and they said, are you aware that you're carrying an entity? And I was not. And I went, oh, uh, 
like, okay. She says, so do I have your permission to clear it? I said, oh, absolutely. I don't want anything hanging around. But then yeah. afterwards, I remember sitting in my car, which I kiddingly now call the chapel, because I do a lot of mm-hmm. spiritual work in my car. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and went, how did that get past me? I like to think I'm pretty savvy. You know, this is a, a neighborhood I'm very familiar with. And then sure. I thought, well, you know, more things on heaven and earth ratio. So I, I never uh-huh. want to come at, at my work arrogantly. So the sensitivity that, that is, is bred with that, I uh, have deep respect for it. Yeah. I, yeah, I do too. I, yeah. I don't know that I've ever had one. but I've been around people that were, I've had people in my life that were carrying them and that can be very difficult, you know? Well, as, as um, if the human experience wasn't busy enough, now you are sitting across from somebody you have fond thoughts about, but they're carrying the Mormon tabernacle choir behind them. That's a lot of work. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very hard. Yeah. It's, it's very, very hard. I mean, I think that they're, I was just using this example the other night on my video that, um, you know, there are the people, right, who um, when you look at them, they literally look like those old commercials where, you know, the person has the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. Mm-hmm. And they are viscerally mm-hmm. wrestling with their darkness when you tap into them. And for people like in the New Age community that believe that darkness isn't real and it's, we make our own darkness and it's just a manifestation of us, God love you all. I always say it must be nice to live in Candyland. But here on the mm-hmm. earth where I live, uh, darkness is a real visceral thing. And a lot of people are really struggling with it. And so it, it's very difficult when you love someone and they will not release the darkness within themselves. And you're right. It's like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir is stuff going on. And it's, it's we as healers that want to fix everyone in our lives, right? It's hard to fix that. That is very difficult to fix because you yourself have to release that darkness. Nobody can do that for you. Correct. You know? Um, Only you can. And I think that there's a darkness that gets released when, when someone becomes sober, right? I mean, even when I quit sugar, which I know is not a big a sobriety move as some people have to go through, I can well, sort but, of feel this energy move away from me that had been around me, and I was like, "Oh, you're like a you're like the cupcake demon. You can screw your go screw yourself." But yeah, there's even an energy that right because the more the more that the darkness can keep light workers distracted by something, the less good work they can do. Right, so that's the plus for them. But you know what you're mentioning, Sheena is is actually the same thing, but it's gradation. Because as people get sober, especially if they are alcoholic, the alcohol turns to sugar in the bloodstream. And so therefore it is the physical craving that will take somebody back to drinking if they haven't gotten grounded with themselves. So it is not uncommon, especially for people in early sobriety who are separating themselves from alcohol, uh, it's necessary that they have sugar to stop a craving. 
So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I remember when I had quit drinking and I went to coffee with a bunch of people and this big old guy next to me who I think he had, you know, something like 20 years when I had 30 days said, uh, and get, get the kid here a chocolate sundae. And, you know, I was a dancer. And I said, oh, no, no, I can't. He said, oh, they don't pull you over for fat driving. And oh I God, looked at him so and he said, you need, you need, he said, you need sugar. And that's back in those days. Uh, people always kept candy with them. You know, and then, then we got 28-day programs and then it became hospitalization and then it became uh, keychains and merchandise and water bottles with your favorite rehab. Now, I sound like I'm snotty about it, but what it is true is that the sugar imbalance around alcoholism, you can go years, literally years, and what they have found is that I was, I had been 10 years uh, free from alcohol, and I was having an energy problem, and my doctor even said, he goes, when, when's the last time you had a cocktail? I said, 1982. He said, well, he said, well, it's not uncommon for people's long-term sobriety to become either hypoglycemic or diabetic because your body assimilates sugar differently. So with you quitting mm-hmm. sugar, the same sobriety, because now, and we talked about it earlier, now you're dealing with your feelings. There is no buffer. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, isn't that, uh, yeah, and it's, it's, there's no buffer, right? I got nothing. Although I'll tell you when I feel like I'm going to fall off the wagon, and this has been a week, um, I, I go get some fruit, and it's like a sugar substitute, mm-hmm. right? I go get a smoothie, and then it's like sugar, but it's, and it tastes very sweet because I'm not used to sugar. But, I mean, it puts a little something-something in me without it being the big thing. Because, you know, the thing about sugar is, I mean, alcohol too, right? Alcohol is fun. It's more fun to go get drunk with friends, I've been told, than it is to sit in a corner and shoot heroin. You know what I mean? It's, and sugar is fun. I mean, it looks, you go into a candy store and it's like all sparkly and beautiful and it has presentation that smells good. So, yeah, I mean, it's easy to, it's an easy, social, wonderful drug. And when you don't do sugar, when you say no to uh, desserts. People look at you like, some, first of all, like something's very wrong with you. And secondly, Indeed. like somebody's, like you're judging them for having it themselves. And I've always found that to be the case too with alcohol. People sort of act like if I'm not drinking, I don't want them to drink. And the truth is I don't care if they drink. I just don't want to drink, you know? Well, there's something that happens. I think it's interesting. Maybe you've observed this with drinking or smoking or going into agreement with something that especially smoking people go outside and this is my personal opinion and I get to have it. I think smoking is just disgusting. There's nothing attractive about it. It smells bad. It wasn't like, like alcohol or, or sugar where, you know, my first taste of a chocolate donut, I went, Oh my God, I'm in, this is heaven in a circle. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. cigarette. You have to get used to smoking. People barf and vomit, and it closes off your airway. I, I don't. It's not like, oh, let me take a choke of vitamin D. I mean, that's not what's happening. <laughs> but, right. Yeah. But people standing around having a cigarette, and their excuse is, "Well, I need to relax." So you need to intake noxious gases and hot fumes. How about just yeah. some deep yeah. breathing? 
But what right. happens yeah. is, if it's especially a group of them, it's what I call the alliance of the ill, they will defend each other and they'll get a little aggressive about it if you haven't gone into agreement with, with it. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's that with everything, right? I mean, I've gotten so much. When I, I remember when I, I was off sugar for like seven years. I went back on because my mom died, and I was at this event at the White House in Anaheim, and they were serving chocolate-covered strawberries. And I thought, oh. you know what? Screw My mom's dead. I'm going to have a chocolate-covered strawberry. And it's just a little chocolate over a strawberry, right? It's not that bad. And then, oh, my God, like a gateway drug. The next thing you knew, it was tiny cream puffs and everything. I'd get my hands on that night. So, um, but I remember all that while I didn't do sugar. I remember people um, really sometimes being weird about it, like getting very upset that I wasn't having dessert with them. And, uh, you know, and even when I was a diabetic and I would tell people, look, I'm not doing it because I'm a diabetic, they'd be like, well, diabetics can have some sugar. I have a friend of the diabetic and she still eats dessert. And it's like, oh, okay, well, okay. And, you know, certainly that's true. And certainly, sadly, I've been that person on and off for the last six years since my mom died. But, um, okay, but if I don't want to do it, like, why do you care? But I think that is an interesting spiritual energy, right? And I say this because it's, I think it's very important that we remember as spiritual beings and individuals that you kind of just have to be you despite what anybody else is doing because, um, because you carve out your own life and you carve out your own spiritual path. And it's nice to share it with others. It's nice to have others here but we can't change who we are for other people, right? If you know you should not be drinking, if you know you should not be doing caffeine, if you know you should be quitting sugar, then that's what you should be doing, right? Well, and it's, and it's interesting. I think from a spiritual aspect, uh, I don't know that there's gradation. You know, I, I don't know that a higher power goes, oh, good for you. You quit uh, drinking, but then you started smoking. You know, I, I think it's, it's very strange. I know somebody who, who battled weight, bless her heart, for her whole life. She's always been a plus-size girl, and then she decided that she would take the bull by the horns, which that phrase alone doesn't sound pleasant. It sounds like it's very upsetting yeah. to the bull, and you're going to get thrashed around, but that's what she decided yes. to do. Yes. So she went on a very stringent diet, and then she went and had surgery. And... Sheena, she lost nearly 200 pounds. Oh, wow. So now, compassion, but it's, it's difficult in one respect to be with her. And why that is, is she thought that would fix the giant it. This will fix it. Well, what has happened is, yes, in fact, all of her, her container, her body is now this fragile, nearly mantis-like appearance, and I'm, I'm being kind of unpleasant, but she now, okay. she now must sit on three pillows to sit in a chair because she has absolutely no padding and her bones are sitting on hard wood. So she now can yeah. pull focus at any given time about anything 
as she enters the room, it now has to be about her because instead of being one end of the pendulum swing, she's at the other end. But the experience is still the same. It just breaks my heart. Being a dry drunk, right? Well, yeah, but here's the deal. What she thought was the fix has now put her in an even more precarious place. You know, and here's what I noticed the past couple of times I've been with her, and I've never seen her do it before. She's drinking heavily. Right, well, right, because she didn't the hole inside her. Exactly. That's I kind of wanted to go, you now have like, your poor tummy is like the size of a tablespoon. But you know, that half carafe of Chardonnay that you've just ingested. Right, yeah, goes down good. I'm like, oh, honey. I just, and you know, first of all, she's, um, and and I I am fond of this person. She is a fundamentalist Christian. Okay. So, to suggest anything, uh, mm-hmm. and and not a practicing one. Okay. So I, I said, you know, sometimes because you know, I love going to rituals, and so I love going to church. I love going to synagogue. I love going to a sacred circle. I'm in. Yeah, me too I'm into whatever. Mm-hmm. All of that, you know. I say I'm a Buddhist, Episcopal, Jewish, Wiccan. I'm just in. Yeah. I and love comparative theology. Mega churches. I will go to mega churches because I am fascinated by them. I didn't grow up in a church, so I don't have any anger. And I am fascinated by mega churches, and I mean, to me, they're like churchy Disneyland, and it just fascinates me. I don't really want to belong to one permanently. But the whole way it works and the whole kind of show busy thing and the pastor comes out with a little microphone that fits in your ear and the, the choir's trying to be all rock and roll. And I don't know. I just, I think it's a hoot. Oh, I'm so in. Did you ever go to the Crystal Cathedral? Oh, God, yes. Right? It was like everyone was practically oh. in drag. It was fantastic. Oh, it's the apex of all of that. It was, uh, in fact, a friend uh-huh. of mine, they used to do the glory of Christmas and the glory of Easter. He played Jesus mm-hmm. in the glory of Easter. And that was an equity oh, yeah. show. And I got to have his house seats for the crucifixion. Oh, my God. It was <laughs> sensational. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing, right? I mean, and, and people, was, I was just telling my, my girlfriend's daughter this the other day, that people would sit outside in their cars like they were at a drive-in and watch it if they couldn't get in. Like, that was the back Well, he started in a drive-in in Garden Grove. Mm-hmm. He would stand on top of the concession stand and, you know, talk about the power of – and my aunt, who loved him uh, and would watch every Sunday, and she would take a little of her pension check and send it off for the hour of power. When she came to California for the first time at 75, she didn't want to see Disneyland. She wanted to see the Crystal Cathedral. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my mom loved him. And she wasn't like a super churchy person, but she liked the way that he spoke. She liked to sit at home and watch um, sometimes on Sunday, and she liked sort of the practicality of him. She was very into that. My mom loved Christianity. She just didn't like what the religion did to people, like the judging and the oppressing. But she loved Jesus, the teachings of Christ. She called herself a teachings of Christ Christian. And so she loved the community. The Christy part, she just didn't like the the human being part. Well, and I will tell you, when I landed at our home, 
uh, MCC, I've never been so comfortable. Yes, and that's why I feel so good there, because to me, it's what my mama used to call a y'all come church. I mean, it really, everyone is welcome. It really is. not Christian. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's Christianity based on Jesus and not based on angry people who were using it for political reasons to exclude others. And exactly. I think that's beautiful. Honey, you're almost completely out of time. I love you. Let's do this again. Where can people find you online? Well, you can find me, and I would love to read for anybody who's listening. You can go to pauljasic.com and drop me a note there, and we'll find some time. I'm adjusting the schedule, so if you can't book right there, uh, drop me a note, and I'll find time for you. Or you can find me on Facebook at Paul Jasic, Tarot Reader. Oh, I love that. Okay, that's fantastic. And let's do this again soon. Everybody, if you missed that link, uh, you can also go to SheenaMetalSpiritual.com and um, find me for all your psychic and spiritual and paranormal needs. Uh, Social media, I'm at Sheena Metal everywhere, and I'll be live tonight on Live Paranormal video channel doing Haunted Playground After Dark right after this with some free psychic readings. Until I see you next time, seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, always raise your vibration. I love you all. I'll see you next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.